Uh, hang on. I'm shaking off September. Hang on. Hang on. Okay, here we go. My good buddy Logan Erdman. Let's get to it. There exists a threat from anti-hunting groups to politicians trying to give our land away, and we won't stand for it. Those vast western landscapes provide the space for our wildlife to thrive and a place for hunters and anglers to fuel the fire that sparks their soul. In this show, we share our love of hunting, fishing, and conservation. Here, we provide the foundation to meet these threats through passion and the grit of the American outdoorsman. Welcome to the Western Huntsman Podcast. Guys, we are back on schedule. This is Jim Huntsman, host of the Western Huntsman podcast. And uh, this time I am officially back in the Broken Tine studio, coming at you from the Broken Tine studio here in Hayden, Idaho. And uh, no, not on the mountain anymore. September has come and gone. Uh, what a freaking season, man. Uh, that It was crazy. It was crazy. Um, I kind of, I need to explain this episode. So I've got today's guest is uh, is his name is Logan Erdman and he's my buddy from uh, Ohio and he comes out west to hunt uh, elk and mule deer and all sorts of stuff out here and uh, he's also the custom knife maker that made the knife for our youth hunters which by the way youth hunters um, your prizes are uh, just about to be shipped out I'm waiting for my uh, order from Phelps Game Calls to show up uh, I ordered some stuff from them. And, uh, it's, it's, I, I, I don't know when it's going to get here, but as soon as it does, I'll throw everything in the mail and get you your logins and all that. So just, uh, hang in there for that. I just, uh, need to get that stuff here. So I, I can't send it to you if I don't have it. Right. So that's where we're at with that. But I do have the knife that Logan made and this thing is sweet. I can't wait to get this to the, to the winner. So, uh, that aside, so Logan, uh, agreed to come on the show. He came out to North Idaho, um, the, this last September, uh, and, and had his wife with him and all this stuff. And you're going to hear the whole story, but he got uh, a pretty stellar bowl uh, here and getting it done. And here's the thing. And uh, I, I need to reach out and get a, get a hold of Logan. The interview gets cut off halfway through, like almost to the second halfway through. I knew I was struggling with the internet because uh, we, we'd gotten back into town and, um, and and we'd set up this this interview. It was just you know a few nights ago, and and the internet was like super shaky. And I'm like, what the hell's going on with this? So anyway, I just carried on, and and so I'm recording in Zoom, and Zoom usually works very very well for me, uh, but for some reason it only got half of it. And when I came in this morning to do all the editing and get this episode live and all that kind of stuff, get us back on track. I don't know what happened. It, it just wasn't there. And so I, I'm getting a lot better with the technology side of the whole podcast uh, thing I'm doing here. But I, I still, I, I, I'm not good enough to know what the hell happened to the rest of the audio. And I'm really pissed because the second half was actually a lot better than the first half. And what we talked about, what, what you miss in that episode, and what I want to get Logan back on the show to talk about is how he logistically plans and does these hunts coming from Ohio. So he he comes he comes out to uh, Idaho, he comes out to Colorado, he comes out he just comes out west to do all these this this hunting every year. 
And I, I feel like he had some really good insight as to how logistically he pulls all this off. Because he drives, he doesn't fly. He drives, he loads his truck and comes out, and, and he's out here for a long time. And so um, it, it was a really good discussion with a lot of really good content that I think a lot of people would benefit from, and I screwed it up. So what, what I do have, uh, because it's the only thing I have recorded, because I, I've been out of town all of, all of September, uh, what I do have is good. And it, it's, it's basically a discussion, a little bit about Logan's background, and, and then we get into some hunting stories, and they're pretty good. And, and we have a, a, just a great conversation. But again, the second half, it just like randomly cuts out. So I had to kind of record something on the end. So, uh, yeah, sorry, guys. Um, I promise uh, I'm going to do whatever I can to make that never happen again. I've got some great guests coming up over the next few weeks that uh, you guys you guys are going to want to stay tuned for because they are uh, pretty fantastic human beings. And so I'm excited about that. So just a, a quick rundown. So we're, we're back into September. I keep using the word so. I'm working on that. We're, we're back into or, or we're back into October. September is in the rearview mirror, September 2020. There's only 11 months to go, and technically – it's less than 11 months at this point till next September. So uh, I know that uh, there were many archery hunters that uh, d- make it so you rifle hunters don't need to worry. We left you lots of elk. I can tell you right now, I don't know that I've ever been through a September where I've seen so many bulls. And even with uh, the way my September went, uh, I promise you, I left you some bulls. <laughs> There, there was just a lot of elk. The difference was, and, and it was something that I talked about a little bit in the last episode when I was recording up there on the mountain. I still had a few days left, which actually turned out to be some, some very epic um, elk hunting uh, time left in the woods there. But I, I talked about how this September was in the North Idaho area. It was super different this year than most years. The bulls were not like just cranking, man. They weren't. You could get them to bugle from far away. Like I, I, I'd, I'd stand out a locator bugle, and I'd get a response, and he'd be, you know, two, three, four, f- shoot, even five hundred yards away, and, and he'd bugle back. And then when I'd close the distance and bugle again, they'd shut up, which is abnormal. Last year when I did that, I'd, I'd piss those bulls off so bad uh, that they'd just come or just about run me over. Uh, not not the case this year, and I'm not totally sure what dictates that and what happens. We discussed in the last episode that uh, it, it is not it is not a factor of when the rut is or when the rut isn't, and and I went into detail about why the time of the rut really doesn't change much. It might it might shift around a few days, and it might you know have some adjustments from year to year. But I, I've seen some people commenting, well. I should have got a rifle tag because they're not going to rut until mid-October. Now, guys, that's not the case. You might find some hot cows come into season uh, around mid-October that are kind of going through their second cycle or whatever, but that, that's not the case. So, anyways, discuss that in the last episode, so we'll, we'll leave that there. But in this case, I, I, I really would like to get uh, somebody like Chris Rowe, uh, who I've had on the show before, uh, who is a who is a, a biologist and he's and he's had a lot of experience in the elk uh, arena, not just in the elk woods, but studying them as part of his uh, school. 
and and degree program and all that kind of stuff. And and, and so I, I feel like I could probably get a pretty good answer out of Chris on this, but it was an odd year. It was an off year. I had friends texting me that it is a shit year. Uh, they're just, they're not, they're not doing what they normally do. And so I had to adjust like it was probably by about the 15th of September. And just so you guys, just to put it into perspective, my season opened September 6th. It ended on September 30th. That's uh, 24 days. I spent 22 of those days in the Elkwoods. Uh, and, and out of those elk, out of those 22 days, I believe I counted 18 elk encounters where I actually had encounters with a, with a bull elk. I'm not talking about some bull that squawked at me three miles away on, on some other ridge. Now this is an actual encounter where there was interaction and, uh, you know, one thing or another happened, uh, that, that, that the point being is I spent a lot of time in the elk woods and, um, much to my wife's dismay, I only showered like four times, but most of the time I had them, my wife and the kids were in camp. In fact, the, the, the girls would, uh, at one of the, one of the areas we camped, the girls would actually follow me off in the morning, um, on their bikes. And they'd, they'd kind of follow me down, down the road until I cut off on the trail I'd take. Cause I was just uh, a base camp hunting. And so that was a lot of fun, actually a really unique experience. The, the girls helped me track a bull, I was really proud of them. My nine and eleven year old went uh, three and a half miles of some treacherous, steep, thick jungle of of North Idaho uh, without complaint. And uh, they got to they got to have their their first peak refuel in the backcountry, uh, or not really backcountry, but um, you know off 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 grid. And uh, it, that that was a lot of fun. Great experience for them. Um, they're going to be excellent trackers uh, by the time this is all said and done. So. Uh, anyways, the point being, I, I did, I spent a lot of time. I had a lot of encounters, had a lot of close calls. Uh, and I talked about a few of them in the last episode. I talk about some in this episode, the, uh, second to last day. Uh, I'm not going to lie to you guys. I was wore out. I, I, I had put multiple miles on, uh, on my brand new Hoffman boots, which I love, man, those boots are fantastic. And, I, I, I was just kind of, I was beat down emotionally too, because I, I kept feeling like, you know, something was going to change with the elk that the, they were going to start getting a little bit more fired up, a little bit more aggressive, but they were just coming in quiet. They were coming in super quiet. So around the 15th, I adjusted my tactics and instead of uh, what I would do is I would, I'd still use a locator bugle, but once I located them, I, I would switch completely to cow calls. And almost every time that I did that and I closed the distance and closed the gap, Almost every time I did that, I'd get an elk coming in. Uh, but it was one of those things where, you know, oh, I think he's going to come in this way. And next thing I know, he's 15 feet to my left staring at me through the brush. And I, the the fact that I turned my head to look at him because I heard something, he runs off. That happened so many times, um, multiple times. And, and uh, just <laughs> it was it was fun, actually. It was like cat and mouse with multiple different bulls all September. It was a good time. So anyway, second to last day. Uh, the, 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 the 29th, I'm, I'm just beat down. I'm emotionally tired. I'm physically exhausted. My legs just felt like, you know, noodles. And, and I, I just, I, I just was, I, I, more of a, a, a emotional thing, like a mental thing. Um, 
I forced myself to go out that day. I, it was like, I, and, and my wife knew it. She's in camp and she knew I wasn't super motivated at this point. And, 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 but I did, I forced myself to go out. I'm like, I've got, I've got two days left. I've got to make something happen. So I've got to make something happen. I'm going to push myself. So I did, I went out and I found this bull, uh, that I had had, uh, three or four different encounters with already. And he was a real funky bull. He only chuckled. He like, he wouldn't bugle. He just chuckled, which is really strange for a Rocky Mountain elk. He just chuckled. He didn't like to bugle. So I, I, I was sick of it. I was sick of his little chuckles, and he'd come in quiet after that. And so when he chuckled the last time, I dropped out of this, this uh, off the top of this basin down into where he, he was in this real thick timber. And I got right on the edge of that timber and attacked with this the just gnarly-ass bugle. Just the the most menacing bugle you've ever heard in your life. Finally, after all these elk would come in quiet, I pissed a bull off. He, I, I called this bull Mr. Chuckles because <laughs> that's all he did. And by the way, I met a buddy, uh, or not a buddy, I, I met a guy up there who had had an encounter with this bull too. And he called him Mr. Chuckles too. So uh, Alex, the registered nurse from Grangeville, Idaho. I don't know if you listen to this show. I didn't tell you I had this show, but uh, I finally stuck that Mr. Chuckles, man. Uh, unfortunately, for for me and for you, Alex, and for Mr. Chuckles, quite frankly, I, I did piss him off. I got him fired up. He came in, and he's just screaming, and I'm raking some huckleberry brush with my bugle tube. I'm, I'm using that Renegade uh, Dirk Durham signature tube, and I, I, there was no sticks around to start raking, so I took my tube, and I just start cracking at this, uh, this huckleberry brush. Super tall, it's thick, it's wet, and I'm just whacking it, and he's in there just raking up a storm, and he's moaning and groaning and slobbering, and he's getting pissed. The, the kind of calling that you just dream about all year, I had it going. Finally, I had this bull pissed. He's 50 yards in this dark timber, and there's like this old logging road with a bunch of growth on it because it had been shut down years and years ago but you could tell it was an old road and it's just got all this buck brush and 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 crap all over it and he's coming in and i can hear him cracking sticks and he's moaning and and bugling and uh grunting and all this stuff and he kind of comes out on onto this little flat perfect 23 year yard shot broadside for me and and i draw back i've got him in my sights and i i release that arrow I thought he was dead. I, I, thought, I thought I had smoked him. However, I did notice when the arrow released, I had the slightest, ever so slightest deflection off this little twig that couldn't have been thicker than a pencil. It always amazes me what little, uh, the smallest things, how, how they can affect the arrow in flight. It just blows my mind. And that's what happened. That arrow deflected and I nailed him right in the shoulder. Uh, it, it was heartbreaking. In fact, after when I hit him, I, I actually didn't know this. I, I thought for sure he was dead. Um, he flopped around on the ground for a minute like a fish out of water, and then he jumped up and started trucking across back into that dark timber and uh, around the to the north face of that slope. And I thought, and, and so at this point, after the arrow released, I only had about twenty minutes of shooting light left. And so uh, I go down there after, after he'd kind of trucked off to the other side, and I go down there, and I, 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 find, I find blood. I find the arrow. Arrow looks like it's just a complete pass-through, you know, but it's not. 
And uh, anyways, I'm looking at it, and and I find I find this uh, this big splatter of blood. And I look down, and it. it looks, and I think it, I don't know if it was a lighting or what, but the, when my uh, I had to break out my headlamp at this point because I, I didn't go down there immediately. I, I you know I gave it a good half an hour or so, so it was, it was pretty much getting dark. Turn the headlight headlamp on, and I'm looking at this blood, and it looks really dark. And I'm like, oh man, I think I liver shot him. And so uh, I, I made the call. I'm like, you know what? I'm I'm going to back out because it's probably going to take him. You know, th- these things two hours, sometimes four hours, even six hours if you liver hit him take a while for him to die. And so I thought, okay, I'm just going to back out. I'm going to let him, I'm going to let him settle down and uh, I'll find him first thing in the morning. And, and to, to this, to this point, as I'm talking to you today, I I still believe I would have made the same call. Uh, It was a good call to back out um, because I mean, it was dark anyway at that point. So next morning, get up, uh, I get my girls all, I've got them, I've got them these cool little camouflage packs i can't remember what name that you know just some cheap packs but i wanted them to be part of the experience of packing this elk out and that's what i thought this was 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 uh was just going to go in there locate him and pack him out um and uh, i got my wife uh, a pack as well hers is obviously a lot better than the girls it's my old old uh meat hauler pack so fitted that to her and, and i take him down there take him down we go park the truck i took my dog even and uh, and we start heading down looking for this this bowl, and I just figured, yeah, we'll just you know we'll go we'll locate them, cut them up, and get them out. No big deal. Get on the blood trail, and this blood trail just keeps going and going and going. But it was really light colored blood. I I had not noticed that the night before, so it just wasn't real dark blood like um, like I was expecting. And so I'm I'm losing confidence. After about a mile of tracking it, uh, it's a decent blood trail. The blood trail abruptly ends. And this happens sometimes. Um, I've never seen one have such a consistent flow and then end so abruptly. I've seen them kind of trickle out after a while. But in this case, it just was like this abrupt end. And it looked like he'd laid in some wet kind of – it wasn't like quite mud, but it was, it was wet dirt enough to pack a wound uh, and I think I shoulder hit him uh, just based on, on the color of the blood. I think that was just a muscle hit. And so he's, just, he's out there running around laughing at me. Never did find him. Uh, we spent all day looking. I gritted out just in case, because at the point where the trail ended, I, I had pretty much, uh, came to the conclusion that I, I'd hit him right in the shoulder and, and really there wasn't, uh, really wasn't much damage. And he's, he's out of here. He's probably in freaking Texas by now, <laughs> you know, and, so I'm really disappointed because uh, the day we're tracking him, we're spending the whole day looking for this uh, this bull elk, and that's the last day of season. Uh, so uh, you know, I was I was kind of out of options. In fact, that night as we're we're kind of making our way back to the truck, um, I I called in another bull. I didn't have my bow on me, uh, but I I, uh, I called in another bull up close to the close to the truck, and he was on the he was in the other drainage. And he was not the same bull, just uh, if it, anybody's questioned that. Because, you know, you, 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 once you've heard one bull, there, there is a way to – you can usually tell when it's the same bull. If, if, you, if you really listen, and, and, and this guy didn't chuckle at all. Uh, but anyway, I called him in until he got a little too close to the road, and he changed his mind. But I, the, the goal was I wanted the girls, my, my kids, to see the, the bull come in all fired up. So 
Um, that was interesting, but we spent all day. And then I, I, uh, I went back the next morning, which was uh, the day after season closed and did one more look. Um, I, I looked and uh, at this point I'm, I'm quite confident that the elk, uh, it was not a fatal hit and he's gone. He's, he's, he's running around. He's fine. He's the, the wound will heal. And, uh, now he's, he's all yours, rifle hunters. Um, I even went back yesterday, which is, you know, four or five days later, just as like a, just to make sure, um, and, and I did a crow check and I, I scoured the entire basin for crows, uh, didn't find any, uh, no, no birds, no crows, no nothing. So the, the elk that I refer to as Mr. Chuckles lives on and I'm, I'm happy. I'm happy that I didn't, uh, find crows yesterday. I'm, I'm happy. I'm pleased that I didn't, uh, fatally wound this bull and not find him uh, for several days after the meat had gone sour because that's uh, obviously, if you guys know me, that's happened in the past. And I, I didn't want to repeat that for sure. So he uh, he lives on. A little twig screwed me up. But uh, one real key takeaway is it is amazing how quickly you can go from zero to 60. And And what I mean by that is it's not like my season at any point during September was at zero because it wasn't. It, it never was. It, it was I, I would say that most of it, if you averaged it out, would be at like 10. Let's just use 10 as an average. Some days were, were diamonds, some days were stone. You know how it goes. But you get all deflated and you get, you, you, you kind of, and at least I do, I, I, I bust my ass and, and, and then nothing's happening. Uh, the bulls come in silent and they bust me before I can get them. Uh, or whatever, you know, you just kind of get deflated after a while. Uh, it's amazing how that can change and how quickly that could change because it went from 10 to 60 in two seconds. When I, I, I knew this particular bull was in that general vicinity and I'd kind of given up on him because he wouldn't get fired up, but uh, I knew he was there. I knew he was there. And so I, I just got close and started cow calling. That's what initially got his, his first uh, response, which was uh, obviously a set of chuckles. And at that point, that's when I dropped down and, and bugled my face off and, and uh, really pissed him off. So it, it's just amazing how it can go from, um, you know, just you, you feel kind of hopeless to all of a sudden you got a screaming bull in your face. And it was just amazing. I, I Guys, I learned a lot this September. I still have an opportunity to kill an elk with a rifle. I've got a couple of deer tags. Uh, I've still got my bear tag, uh, which I, I, I should probably focus on for a minute, but um, haven't yet. But anyways, I'm my goal is uh, I, I want to get a mule deer and a whitetail this year, uh, one of each, and uh, that's that's kind of where we're sitting. So um, we've got some uh, good stuff happening. Other than that, it was it was a great season. I learned a lot. I hope you guys did too. And if you guys if you guys have any uh, super cool stories, I put it out there on like Facebook or something. But if you guys have any good stories from this September, like super unique, you know, crazy things that happened or, or crazy call-ins, something like that, that you want to share with me, shoot me an email at jim at thewesternhuntsman.com because I'd, I'd like to read some crazy stories on the show at some point. So anyway, guys, without further ado, what I'm going to do is I'm going to go ahead and get kick this off with Logan and um, we're going to get 
I, I, again, I'm going to try to get him back on the show because uh, the information he had, you guys need to hear it. it. It's really good. It's really solid. He's such a cool dude. I really like the guy, and and he's he's just a he's got talent. He's got he's got the that that level of motivation that a lot of hunters seek to find in each other. Uh, he's the kind of guy that'll that'll just you know inspire you, and uh, and that's my kind of hunter, man. And and I really like having him on the show, and and I apologize to him for this this cut off audio, uh, but we're gonna get it fixed, and we're gonna get it figured out, and get him back on, and and do it again, and and uh, but as of right now, we've got a good hour of uh, of talking to Logan, and I think you guys are gonna really like it. All right, guys, we'll talk to you soon. Give it up for Logan Erdman. All right, Logan Erdman, got you on the line, man. How you doing, brother? I'm great, man. How are you? I'm doing good. I'm uh, I'm doing super good. Other than September's already over. Yeah, it went quick. It Dude. really did. Dude, it was insane. I I just I can't believe I'm sitting here talking. It's like the fourth or fifth or something of October right now. And, yeah, it's a fun. What had a heck of a season? Uh, sounds like you've had an even better season. You've been all over the place. Um, and just so you guys know, so Logan lives in Ohio. What part of Ohio are you in, Logan? Um, I'm like 20 miles east of Cleveland. Oh, okay. Okay, cool. Yeah, so I spent, I've spent like five weeks in, in Cleveland one time for a training for my day job and uh, learned how to fly fish the rivers around there. In the oh, yeah? Park. Yeah, yeah, man. Nice. Oh, cool. This was like back in, I don't know, 2012 or something, 2011. Did you do uh, any good? Yeah, man. I, I yeah, yeah. It wasn't too bad. And then some guy, as I was figuring the the rivers out, some guy in the with in the company that I worked for was uh, was telling me, yeah, no, you got to go to upstate New York to catch the big brown trout. And he showed me this spot, and he derailed me on my Ohio fishing. So I went over there <laughs> and couldn't figure out how to catch a fish. So, oh, that that happens. <laughs> yeah, dude. Anyways, so Logan, for you guys, for those of you that don't know, we recently did a youth hunting essay contest where we had uh, the youth hunters write in uh, an essay telling us kind of what what kind of hunter they wanted to be and what kind of example they wanted to set. Uh, And we had a winner and Logan custom made this really badass Skinner knife and donated it to one of the winners and I put it in the first prize package. In fact, it's sitting right here in the studio with me because I haven't even mailed that stuff out yet because I, I need to get all the, the info from like the elk collective and, and the elk bros guys so that I can get them all submitted and, and the winners entered into their, their, uh, the, you know, for the scholarships. So, uh, I've still got it as of right now. I'm hesitant to give it away, dude. This thing is sweet. <laughs> yeah, it turned out nice. Somebody's, uh, going to be happy i think yeah for sure i just I, I appreciate you making the knife for us and and uh, you made me a knife and uh, these things are just badass and uh logan give us give us a little background on you give us a little history and uh just so everybody kind of knows who you are and then we'll, we'll take it from there dude um all right well uh yeah my name's logan uh cleveland native so i was born and raised in ohio and um introduced to hunting uh by my uncle as a kid um, he unfortunately passed away when I was 11, 
Um, so I kind of distanced from hunting, um, until like later on, I think I was like 17 when I got my first compound bow uh-huh. and I started getting back into whitetails. Um, but I had a special place for elk in my heart. And I, I always said one day, you know, I'm going to get after some elk. And back in 2014, um, I moved out to Colorado for a year and started cutting my teeth on on the elk hunting and i've been hooked ever since so um i've been going back every every year since then uh, colorado idaho um I, I bounce around and uh i'm just an elk addict man i can't get enough of it <laughs> well and you're pretty good at it too i i noticed you well came, came up to my neck of the woods this year and slayed one yeah i got uh i got lucky for sure. <laughs> yeah, I, I, we're going to talk about that hunt a little bit, but I, I what I what I really wanted to talk about for for the listeners, so so they know, not that I'm super enthusiastic about um, promoting non-residents coming to Idaho to hunt, but I travel to other states to hunt, and so that it would be really unfair of me to not promote it a little bit, right? And I want to talk about how you do that, how you go about, you know, you, you load up. You come out west. You come. You, you, I know you went to Colorado for a little bit, and then you came up to Idaho, and then back home, and and then you you, you go home and shoot a couple of deer, uh, and 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 that's just kind of the process. I want I want you to talk to people about how that happens and how like the logistics of it and and why because I think that there's a lot of dudes like you that live in the Midwest or or gals, and and they they live in the Midwest or they're back east and and. The thought of, you know, coming out west to hunt an elk seems like this impossible thing. It's like this big, you know, mountain to climb or like there's this, this, uh, this entry point that is just really difficult and super expensive and, and whatnot. And I, maybe we can um, shed some light as to how that's possible for the average, ha- average hunter. Yeah, um, it's, it can be overwhelming to think about, you know, yeah, driving across the country or, you know, some guys fly out. I've never flown. I always drive um, just because it's it's just better for me, you know. Um, mm-hmm. So it, it can it can be really overwhelming. Um, it costs a lot of money and gas. And it's for me, it's a lifestyle and it's like a full time job. Um, so it's every day. I'm doing something to get closer to September, you know? Um, so, and it's, it's, it's tough when, you know, people are, you know, going out or your friends invite you out. And it's like, that's why I, I blacksmith so much in my free time is to just try to make, make that extra money so I can afford the elk tag or that extra mule deer tag or the gas money to drive out there or the new pair of boots, you know, cause nothing's cheap. Um, like good, good quality gear is not cheap. And if you're, if you're going to backcountry hunt, you want, you know, you want to be comfortable. And unfortunately, yeah, <laughs> you know, comfort <laughs> is expensive. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That, that is an understatement, man. <laughs> So it, it is a, it's a discipline. It's a discipline. Elk hunting is a discipline. So when you're, t- when you're talking about like blacksmithing, I want to talk about that for a minute because it's, it's pretty intriguing to me. Um, you make knives, right? And these, these obviously 
we could go into as much detail or, or not as, as much as you want. And, and I want people to be aware, like as hunters, you know, we all kind of get inundated by all these knife makers, right? On, on social media. And a lot of them are from like Pakistan and stuff. And they'll send me all these pictures of knives. <laughs> like, Hey, you want a knife? I'm like, no, man, I have American made knives. But, um, <laughs> so like, how'd you get into that? Um, well, I w it was actually elk hunting related. Um, a buddy of mine was helping me out, like, um, just sharing some knowledge and some hot tips. Um, and I was like, man, like, I don't know how to thank you. Um, so how about a custom knife? And he was like, you make knives? I said, no, <laughs> I was like, but uh, I'm going to try. Um, and it was born from that. So a thank you gift turned into, um, a passion. Really. It's, uh, it's a passion of mine. I got a full blown shop out of my patio and it's just something I enjoy. Um, I always like to learn and grow. Uh, I'm a welder by trade. And I work that, for a machine gun. That's uh, what, uh, what, what do you do for a day job? Yeah, I'm a, I'm a welder or a fabricator. Um, I work for a machine gun manufacturer here uh, in Cleveland. So <laughs> we, we get to make guns. It's, it's pretty cool. So uh, I'm their welder. I make the 249s. Um, it's a good good job. The they take care of me there. Yes, yeah, sir. No kidding. Dude, I held. I I I remember you told me this a long time ago too, and I I totally forgot. Like that is one of the coolest jobs of anybody that's been on the podcast. Say, I work for a machine gun company, and <laughs> so you help make the two forty nine saw, the squad automatic weapon. Yes, sir. And I so I gotta I gotta I gotta like you know brag on myself for a minute. I held the second battalion, second marines, uh, the the two two record. For best squad automatic weapon, two forty nine. Yeah, I held that. I, I held the saw gunner record for for years, man. In fact, I don't even. I still don't know if somebody's broke it yet. But and and the day that's, that we were qualifying awesome. on it, I had freaking pneumonia, and I didn't. I didn't know how. I, I didn't. Uh, the day started on the range and ended with me in an ambulance ride on Camp Lejeune because I, I wow yeah it was nuts dude i i qualified with the saw got the highest score ever in the battalion and uh held the record and then i was so freaking sick they stuck me in a humvee that drove me back to mainside which met an ambulance uh that took me to the hospital on base and they're like oh yeah you have terrible pneumonia you shouldn't be out here <laughs> wow <laughs> that's insane little little side story for you that is awesome yeah, pretty badass you do that, man. What do you do? What like what what exactly do you do to make these machine guns? Um, well, I get um basically like a kit of parts and I assemble them and weld them together and fit form function them and then pass them to the next, you know, the next stage in the the manufacturing process. So I basically just just weld the receivers together. Okay, I got so I got a really important question for you. Are, yes. are you are you a Johnny Cash fan? Um, I like some Johnny Cash. Have you ever heard the song "I Got It One Piece at a Time"? And <laughs> yeah. Like, how can we work this out? Like, <laughs> I get that question all the time. Because <laughs> I need a good coyote gun. Actually, it'd be a good wolf gun. Oh yeah, that'd be fantastic. <laughs> well, maybe we can get an M two out there. Yeah, yeah, dude. <laughs> Whatever. Whatever it takes. 
So no, that's, that's cool, dude. That's, that's super cool. Um, be an interesting industry. Is that kind of it, what, what's keeping you from moving out West because you're, you are passionate, uh, and you're good at elk hunting. Like what, what's keeping you from coming out West and, and, uh, just kind of picking up roots and moving out here as a family or what? The wife. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We, Not uh, that's family. our, that is our number one argument is, uh, she knows I want, want to move and she wants to stay here with family. So, yeah. um, she loves it out there. Um, she loves to elk hunt. Um, but she's just, she's just not ready to move. Yeah. So I'm trying, yeah. I'm trying to figure that out. <laughs> well, I mean, you know, there's not much to figure out until that changes. So, um, in the meantime, you just come out, uh, just come out. Like if you, if you were able to move out West, where would you move to? Um, I'm really, honestly, I think Montana. Really? Yeah, I think so. Either Montana or Idaho. Uh, and have you, have you hunted elk in Montana? No, I have not, but it's, it's on my list for sure. Um, I drive through there every year and it's just like, man, I want to get after it, you know? Dude, um, we should like, we should figure out a trip for next year to Montana. I don't have a lot of points there, but I, I, I think I have like two. Yeah, I have none. Well, that that's okay. There's some there's some units we could still draw for. Yeah, I think so, you, yeah, dude, you need to get on the Montana website and buy a point. And I know listeners in Montana right now are like, dudes, no, you're not coming to Montana. You just stay in Idaho. <laughs> so, <laughs> if I can, you know, if I can get a tag, I, I will definitely hunt it. Uh, I I don't mind general tags. Um, yeah. Over the counter, over the counter is fine with me. Uh, I'm not a trophy hunter by any means. I just like to get after it. Yeah. Um, yeah. I could tell. So I could tell yeah. for sure. So can you, I, and, and we should, let's switch gears and talk about that for a minute because um, you had an interesting season so far and it's, I mean, for, for us, you know, for, for me, it's not, it's not over, but September's over. Walk us through your September this year. Oh, wow. Yeah. Well, it started in Colorado. Um, I left a few days before the opener. Colorado opened September 2nd this year. Um, so I left the last, it was like the last Saturday or Sunday of August. Um, and I got out a few days early. Um, unfortunately with all the wildfires, um, I was, uh, like w- the basin that I was looking at deer since I've started hunting Colorado just got torched. So my plans, oh, no. yeah, my plans basically, and this was like six years in the making, not, not six years of applying, but like six years of me saying like one day I'm going to get a tag and kill a deer up in that basin. And this was the year. And I found out about the fires a week before I was leaving. So, so like, did, were you able to go to a different unit and hunt or, or did, or I, I'm not totally real familiar with Colorado's tags and, and what units are. And yeah, I had like a block of units that I could hunt. So I was able to relocate, but, uh, it was on, um, in an area I'd never been before. Mm. So, so yeah, challenging. Tough. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Challenging. How long did you spend in Colorado then? Um, 13 days. Okay. So you were there. Um, and yes, I was. And, uh, I got some really good elk encounters. So it was kind of like, uh, elk scouting while looking for deer. 
And uh, I had some decent encounters with some does, and uh, I ended up finding uh, a couple really nice bucks. You ever go hunting with somebody that always chintzes out on like the most important thing, like boots? I did a couple times. And you know what happened? They slipped and fell down the mountain the entire month of September. That's what happens when you buy $100 boots and, and try to make them last. They don't last. Guys, Hoffman Boots, can't say enough good things about this company. It's a great family-owned business right here in North Idaho. They make badass boots. These things are insanely insanely comfortable they just glue your feet to the mountain in the steepest of conditions they will keep you safer because of that so while my buddies are falling on their butt the entire time i'm walking down like i'm in the park guys i have a great promo code that'll save you 15 percent if you go to hoffmanboots.com it is all caps lock huntsman 15 in the checkout when you are ready for a new pair of great boots that you won't have to replace for a very long time Guys, Scree. Scree is Extreme Mountain Gear. They were one of the first sponsors of this podcast. And this high-performance hunting attire and gear, is it's scientifically tested camo patterns, backed by a great company, and it's got a lifetime warranty, VIP sizing, and, and, and exchange program. Basically, if you, if you order it and it's the wrong size, they pay for it to get shipped back, and they're going to send it back. I heard of some dude that accidentally ripped uh, a pair of his hard scrabble pants. And he was upset about it, and he let Scree know, and they replaced him for him. Guys, this is a great company. That's the kind of company that I am proud to have supporting this show and being partnered with them. Uh, It's just, again, a great company story and and, and a company that you guys would be proud to own the gear for. It'll get you through any season, anywhere in North America. Check it out at ScreeGear.com and use the promo code THEWESTERNHUNTSMAN for 15% off and free shipping at checkout and last but by far not least phelps game calls guys phelps game calls uh you guys if you've listened to any of these episodes uh as i as i kind of dissected my last september i had so many bull elk encounters using these calls and i used everything from the pink maverick to the ma or the pink amp to the maverick i used the renegade bugle tube i used a couple of their external read calls I uh, just had a ball calling in elk left and right, hand over fist, and because these calls work. Obviously, they work well. It's not just about that, though. Guys, Jason Phelps started this company from scratch and built it into what it is now. The company, the game call company that we all know well. And I, I just, I think that that is so important. These the, these American companies that are born out of an idea and they grow into this this thing that that we can all get behind and love and support and the, and the personalities and the people behind it. That's Phelps Game Calls, salt of the earth company, salt of the earth people that run it. And I can't say enough good things about Phelps Game Calls. Don't forget, it's not just about elk with Phelps. You get you a uh, a black t- a black tail in distress call. And watch those deer come into you while they're rutting because it fires up those those does. And what do you think is right behind those does during the rut? November's coming. Make sure you're getting your deer calls as well. So check it out at phelpsgamecalls.com and use the promo code HUNTSMAN10 for 10% off at sh- uh, checkout. I keep wanting to say shipping. <laughs> That's how I roll. All right, guys. With that said, thank you to the sponsors of this show. Let's get back to the discussion. Hope you guys are enjoying the show. We'll talk to you later. And 
I made a move. I ended up like camping nine miles from the truck and, uh, cause I didn't want to go in half cocked. I wanted to, you know, watch these deer. Cause I, I figured I was the only one that knew about them. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I was going to figure out where they were exactly where everybody was at. And I was going to slip in when the wind was right. And I was going to kill myself a deer. And I got a half mile up in the crags and I was waiting for the wind to switch and I was waiting for him to pop out for the afternoon. And I hear voices below me oh. and I looked, I looked down. And like I said, I, I'm like nine and a half, almost 10 miles from the truck. And I think they're even further because they didn't come from the trailhead that I parked at. So they're even further from the truck. So I whistled at these two backpackers and I was like, please, you know, don't go in this basin. I'm like, it took me a a week to find these deer. Please, please, please. Like I begged these two people not to go any further. And and they they weren't hunters. They were, they were just like backpackers. Yeah. They were just backpackers. Gotcha. Um, so I, I begged, you know, like, please don't go any further. Like I'm this close, like it's all about to happen. Just please don't go any further. The dude pointed at me and then he pointed for me to leave and they just proceeded to walk up in the basin and, uh, she what stopped. You, and what pulled. do you mean? He, he pointed at you and then like motioned for you to just leave or something. Yeah. He pointed at the mouth of the basin. Dude, you have a lot more patience than I do. Um, well, I, I, I don't know. I didn't, I was just, it was just me and the, the pikas up there at that point. And I didn't know if I should just roll off the crags that I was glassing from and just let the birds clean me up. Or I really didn't know what to do. And, uh, I really didn't want to see those people because, uh, I don't think I was going to be too nice about it if I had seen them again. So, so uh, and you, you'd said, you'd said, and then the lady, and then I kind of cut you off. What did the lady do? <laughs> so they, uh, they were about a hundred, maybe 120 yards from the willow patch that I seen these, these bucks in last. And, uh, she stops and busts the toilet paper out and go, cause I didn't go anywhere. I was just sitting there glass and, you know, I'm like, who knows, maybe they're going to blow these deer out and maybe the deer are going to get, you know, on the other side of them and walk right to me. So I didn't go anywhere. Um, well, she stopped right where I saw the deer last, like a hundred yards. And she went into the bushes with her toilet paper and then came back out a few minutes later. And they did a big old loop and went down and made camp right in the middle of the basin. And, uh, so, um, that was like a day or two before they called for that big snowstorm. Mm-hmm. And I was out of food. I had like a day or two of food left. And I was like, man, I'm not prepared for a foot of snow in the high country. So I kind of had to bail out. Dude, that, I, I'm like really frustrated about these hikers. That, right? That's Colorado, man. Yeah, I, I, I'm gathering that. And, and I, I really am. And it kind of leads to a lot of different conversations. Like how as hunters – you know, I, I think that there's, there's a tendency for us to feel like we have ownership in, in, on some of these, these lands because they're, they're public lands that are mostly funded, you know, through hunting. You know, that's where, that's where a lot of this comes from, it, this, and the conservation of these animals and, and a lot of stuff. And, and I know that that's not the right um, angle to look at it from because it is everybody's public land, right? But I mean, how do we balance this with, because I, I have strong opinions about 
the encroachment of 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 people and humans these these folks that move to places like Colorado and Idaho and Montana you know they're they maybe they're coming from like California and these these big urban cities and, and these areas where they they, they want to experience nature and and I I you know I, I'm a big promoter of that you need to get out and uh, but what is it doing to our game animals when there's this constant parade of people and is this constant you know encroachment from humans in, into the backcountry where they're just not used to seeing them anymore because people didn't always do this it's not like this it's it's just been this really popular thing lately where everybody wants to go hiking and backpacking is has really grown in popularity and everybody wants to mountain bike into the backcountry on these trails and um I don't even know where I'm going with this, dude. It's just kind of a rant. I know, I know, I know exactly where you're going. Okay, it's, because it's I'm sure these, these biologists. If you talk to a biologist, off-trail recreation is the biggest disturbance to wildlife. So mm-hmm. my proposal is a backcountry permit that costs as much as a non-resident elk tag. That way, if you want to go and blow somebody's $700 elk hunt up that came from out of state, just like what happened to me or a a mule deer hunt or whatever the hunt is, you know, how about uh, if if you want to, if you want to camp, okay, you can, you're allowed 50 yards on either side of the trail. But if you want to go any further than that 50 yards on either side of that trail, you need a backcountry permit, just like I need a permit to hunt elk. You know, um, yeah, I, I and, agree. And, and, and I, I don't even care if it's as much, but, but enough that it like might deter some people who think that they're, because you and I both know they are not connecting to nature the way that hunters do. And clearly these people were not real fond of hunting, right? If they, if they respected hunting and they respected hunters, they wouldn't have, they wouldn't have done that. They would have respected your request to not go into the basement or I'm sorry, basement, the basin. Um, and, and, uh, you know, that would have been that there, there's a lot of different options. They could have, they could have gone from there. I'm sure it's Colorado oh, wide open, right? hundred hundred thousand acres on the backside of me. I mean, you can go any, literally anywhere else. And when I stood up and whistled at him, she was like, oh, my God, what is he doing up there? Like, I was some oh, kind of freak. Oh, man, dude, that just makes my blood boil. <laughs> you should have, like, grabbed him, his finger. No, I, I won't go there. Um, <laughs> I just, like, the way he pointed at you and then pointed to get out of the basement. Or Why do I keep calling it the basement? Dude, I, it's because, you know, you're just so the listeners know, too, like, this is the first recording I've done. Since before September, I think. I, th- I don't think I, I actually had a guest on the show ex- in September. So uh, I'm, I'm a little rusty. I've been, I've been hunting. <laughs> so um, the basin, like he has more ownership on the basin than you do as a hunter is, is what, that, what that implies to me. And, and he doesn't like hunting. And so that's the mess that they're going to create for hunters. And this is what we have to be aware of and be prepared to combat in the future because it's only going to get worse. California is a freaking mess. It's a liberal shit show. Everybody's moving out of there in droves, coming to places like Colorado and Idaho and Montana. And, and I mean, even I got a buddy in um, Eastern Oregon and he's like, no, man, they're coming here like crazy too. And, and Nevada and Utah and all these all these places where – you know, where, where we, we grew up and, and we live and we, we hunt and we, we spend time and we know these mountains and, and, and they're like, we're, we're getting invaded by people that don't have a real appreciation 
uh, for for what what these mountains mean and and what this public man, land means and what these wild what this wildlife means to us and uh, it's just a it's really frustrating, man. Like that totally derailed the whole episode here where we were trying to get to. I I interrupted. No, I mean, no, absolutely. I I a hundred percent agree with you, man. And uh, it is absolutely true. When I was out there, I I really did. I saw way more California plates than I ever have. I just, so they they are uprooting. <laughs> oh, for sure. Did you uh, have any pepper spray to send there? No, I'm just kidding. I just, <laughs> man, no, I had a whole lot of thoughts going on. And uh, I just, I sat till dark. I, I was like, you know, I'm not, I'm not giving up on this. And I went back the next morning and I glassed all morning. And uh, I just, I was heartbroken. So I packed out. And uh, I, I just went and beat some sagebrush, and I could have I could have shot a radio collar doe. Mm-hmm. I had her at bow range, and she had this little baby with her, and I was just like, "Yeah, never, never gonna happen." So yeah. she got the pass, and that was the only deer that I saw the rest of the trip. But I did uh, I did learn some stuff about where some elk were, so it wasn't all, you know, a waste. It wasn't all wasted, yeah. No, you know, so. That's um, good. That's good. That's that's Colorado. So so then you okay. So you hike back to the truck. Um, let the year out of their tires, and then headed to <laughs> right. I mean, you got some. And it, you know, <laughs> I I really I really did earn those deer. I mean, uh, my hands were sunburnt so bad they looked like pieces of leather. My lips were were cracked and bleeding. My ears were bleeding from sunburn inside my ears. Um, living above tree line for, for that long and glassing for that long a day, it, it's, it is brutal. So I have this newfound respect for these guys that do that all the time on these giant mule deer. It's just, yeah, uh, it was a humbling people. experience. Yeah. It's, uh, it, it was a humbling experience for sure. So it's amazing. something I'd like to do again. Um, it, 11, eight to 12, three, I think. Oh yeah. You were way up there, man. Yeah. So, so then you head to Idaho. Yes. Yes. I went and picked my wife up in Washington, a Spokane airport. And, uh, I've got some friends that live, live up in Washington. So we met up with my friends and, uh, got a shower, which was awesome. And then we went, we went elk hunting. You flew and, on an airplane after 13 days in the, in the woods without showering? No, no. I, I, dro- I drove from Colorado Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, and, and your wife picked, flew into Spokane. Yeah, so I picked her gotcha. up. Gotcha. Yes. Okay. <laughs> Makes sense. <laughs> and then, um, yeah, and so because we talked about it, you got you got some friends kind of in the Blanchard area or somewhere up here up in my neck of the woods. Yes, sir. Yes, um, just on the it's on the Washington side of Blanchard, so like Newport. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That's that's actually pretty good elk country up there. Yeah, um, they've got some muzzleloader tags. I think they're going to do pretty good this year. Yeah, cool. Good for them. Yeah, that's yeah. That's I'm excited. I'm excited. I got a I got a big old mule deer years ago up there in that in that area. Yeah, so. it's awesome. That's uh, the 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 country's awesome, man. I, I love it up there. So you go. You came up. You came up to do some elk hunting and kind of kind of walk us through your elk hunt. Um, well, I was not anticipating the smoke being so bad. Um, that was, that was shocking, man. Uh, the first day it wasn't bad. I'm like, okay, there's a little smoke. And then, uh, 
So we packed in maybe two miles, um, way up. I mean, probably 2000 foot elevation gain. We, from the truck to where we camped and the wife didn't tell me she had some hot spots going on and her feet got just wrecked on the, wow. the hike into camp, which I don't know why she didn't tell me, but it turns out, um, so on the way home, we listened to, uh, some podcasts and we caught Randy Newberg's podcast with the podiatrist, um, that was on there. Uh-huh. And it turns out she has incredibly high arches. So now her, her heel blisters are all making sense and she's going to go see a doctor and get some custom orthotics. So this never happens again. So it was a good learning experience, oh. but, um, yeah, her feet got shredded on the way into camp. So she kind of underplayed it. Uh Oh, are you, can you hear me? Yeah, there you are. It was my, uh, my headphones came unplugged. Whoops. <laughs> anyway, you, you, so she's got to get some custom boots made. Um, and so that sounds pretty interesting. I haven't, I haven't caught up on that one. Randy Newberg yeah, has man. super interesting guests on, man. Yeah, he's the man. He's such a cool dude. Like I, you know, I had him on the show and it was, when we got, we started recording and he just, he's one of those guys that makes you feel like you guys have known each other for years, you know? And it's like, like we're just old pals, you know? And, and he makes you feel so comfortable, which you never know with guys that are, that are that big. You know what I mean? It was so cool. I, I just really, yeah. like the guy. I just really like the guy. Yeah, man. He's a legend. Yeah, for sure. So, so yeah, I'm going to have to catch up on that one. Yeah, great information, and uh, I would definitely suggest and recommend that that episode with the podiatrist. Um, I would recommend all of Randy's episodes to anybody. But oh, me too. if you have if you got foot problems or blister problems, definitely check that episode out. Yeah, for sure. So yeah, that's great, man. Um, so and, yeah, and his podcast just just so ever just kind of as a as a plug for Randy, um, is called Randy Newberg Unfiltered Hunt Hunt Talk Radio. Uh, go check that out. He's, he's just got like, uh, years of episodes built up and, and they're all relevant. Even if you listen to some of them, you know, from three years ago or whatever. So really good stuff. Uh, so anyway, you guys get up 2000 foot elevation gain a couple miles back. Yeah. Let's, let's walk, let's take it from there, man. I'm really interested to, to hear how this went down. And, uh, yeah, so her feet are smoked and, uh, she's like, you know, I think now that we're up here, I'll probably be all right. And, um, I didn't realize the severity of it. She was kind of underplaying it to me. And the goal was, or like the, uh, you know, the tactic we were going to go with was glassing, like either night bugling or just glassing some elk up like we've done in the past. But the smoke was so bad when we woke up, it was like, we couldn't glass at all. Um, Mm -hmm. so we, we hiked and hiked and hiked and we're just kind of ridge running and checking out basins and looking for sign. And there wasn't really a whole lot of sign in there. And I noticed her limp was getting worse and worse and worse. So I was like, listen, we we better just pack out of here and just go, uh, you know, live in the truck basically. And just kind of, I don't want to say road hunt because people think like bugling from the truck window while it's running and stuff. So like, well, like that doesn't work. (laughs) Yeah, no, it (laughs) hasn't worked for me yet, but, um, yeah, I, I can't I tell you how many people I saw doing that. 
I, I think I covered that in the last episode, though. I, yeah, you did definitely touch on it, but uh, wow. I can't even imagine. I can't even imagine. But uh, I got a cap on my truck, so that's one of the things. Like uh, getting back to that as a as an Easterner uh, coming out west is uh, I'm kind of minimalistic. Like I only bring the stuff that we absolutely need, and uh, I like the cap on my truck. So if you got a cap on your pickup truck or you're planning to come out west, uh, you got a cap. Caps are great. Yeah. Uh, mine's got locks on it. You can lock your stuff up in there and, uh, you can sleep back there. It's just, it's good. It's, yeah. it's, I yeah. like my cap. I got one on my work truck, man. I love it. I take it, I'll take it out and yeah, you can just lock everything up. So it makes, it's perfect size for an air mattress. In yeah. A yeah. Yeah. It's awesome, dude. So yeah, I, so her feet are smoke. We, we pack out, um, we go road hunting basically. So, which is just day hunting. Um, and I end up leaving her in the truck. Basically you're, you're like, you're, you're base camped. You, you've got a spot and you're just, you're just going out looking for areas to go into. Right. Right. You know, just, just day hunting from the truck. So, uh, this was, so it took us like a half day to get into camp a full day to decide that the smoke was too bad. So we couldn't glass and there wasn't just enough sign for us to stay. So we packed out. That was like the first day and a half. Um, the second day, the second full day, I turned up some sign, but no elk. The, that night I got a night bugle. Um, and that bull ended up being the bull that I killed on the third, the third afternoon. So I almost killed him that following morning. Um, I had him, he was 200 yards from the road, Jim. <laughs> and, uh, he back out. Yeah, he was bugling like crazy, and uh, I had one of those heads-up decoys. Have you seen those? You know, I yeah, I've seen them. I've never used one. They work pretty damn well. <laughs> really? Yeah. So um, I'm making my way up, and it's first light, and he's he's answering. Um, is he like? You is he, and and just to, I don't mean to keep cutting you off, but I, I don't want to forget questions about this because right, no, absolutely. Um, when when you say he's answering, was was he pissed or was he just kind of oh. casually responding back? Were you bugling or cow calling? First of all, I was sticking to cow calls, and so and he'd, he'd answer that, so he wasn't pissed. What he really liked was, um, so I tried a uh, what is it, the champ from Rocky mountain game call. So, uh, I really like calf calls on that, that diaphragm. Uh Um, he, he really didn't like the orange call. So I switched to a green Phelps amp and, um, he would only answer assembly muse. So, I mean, for those listening, uh, that are familiar with Chris Rowe, um, if you're not check it out, assembly muse, you'll understand. Um, that's the only the one that starts real high and just drops and holds the low note, right? Yeah, yeah, like yeah. emphasize. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And that's the only thing he would answer. So I just fed him what he liked. Fed him what he liked, you know. And I caught a glimpse of him in that North Idaho brush. You know how thick it is. Obviously, mm-hmm. I mean. Um, so I caught a glimpse of him, and I'm like, "Yeah, it's definitely a bull. I'll shoot." Um, and I hear gravel crunching. And there's this truck creeping up the road, man. And he did not like that truck on that road. He zipped his lips and bombed up the mountain. And when he got to the top, just before he went over, he just let out this like, 
you know, like, and I'm pretty sure he was like, bitch, there's a truck coming. If you're staying down there, like you're crazy, I'm out. So he (laughs) got out of there, man. And uh, I tried to go up after him and I know that area. And I was just like, you know what? I just stopped, checked the wind. I'm like the wind, the thermals were kind of switching. I was like, if he's betting where I think he's betting, then he's either going to see me, hear me. Like there's no way to get to him. So I went back, I went back to the truck. Um, I busted out my archery target. I shot my bow a little bit. Um, I busted out some lunch meat out of the cooler. I was basically lazy all day and sat Mm -hmm. around my truck and hung out with the wife. And uh, Brian Barney turned me on to the Windy app. And I kept checking the Windy app. And it said that like between six and seven that the wind was going to change. Okay. Wait, we're going to have to back up. What is the Windy app? The Windy app is, it basically tells you what the wind is doing currently and is going to do in the next whatever hours. So it just like gets your location? Is is it like, is it generic? Like, okay, I'm hunting, I'll, I'll use Coeur d'Alene, Idaho as an example. I'm hunting 15 miles northwest of Coeur d'Alene, but it's giving me the wind in Coeur d'Alene. No, 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 man. This thing is like a uh, topographical map. No kidding. Yeah, it's sweet. So you can like, you can take it, the map exactly to the basin or the drainage that you're hunting in. And there'll be this like little swoop thing going across and it shows you exactly what the wind's doing. And then there's like a time dial at the bottom. So you can fast forward, like, what is it going to be doing at four o'clock or five o'clock? No kidding. It's actually, it's a great tool and it, totally aided in in the success in my bowl totally okay so windy wind and weather or it's windy just a duck? windy app uh it's a red w or it's like a red block with a white w in it i'm sorry i've, I've got i've got windy windy maps number one offline map in the world and it's red with like a green you know the little uh, locator thing on like your maps and like it's almost a W, but oh, um, I found it! I found it! <clears throat> yeah, yes, got it, got it. Okay, downloading right now. Yeah, that's a great tool, man. Um, Guys, I'll put so that in the th- show notes. Yeah, thank you, Brian Barney. He's the man. Sweet. So, um, yeah. So, uh, and the wind actually um, it changed an hour sooner than the app said it was going to. Okay. So I grabbed my stuff. I was like, honey, I'm bombing up the mountain. And uh, it was about a 20-minute hike. And I sat down and, you know, knocked an arrow. And I got my heads-up decoy. Uh, I brought, like, a little squeeze clamp. And I clamped it to a trekking pole. And I stuck the trekking pole in a tree. So it was like this cow elk head sticking out of a tree, Uh basically. Um, And I got set up. And I let everything kind of calm down. And I made sure the wind was good. And uh, I just called it just started a, a, like a cow calling sequence that was kind of like a mom talking to a calf is basically what I was going for. And, um, I don't know, two sequences, maybe five minutes apart. Mm -hmm. And it's just real light, like contact calls, you know, nothing crazy, just real light through the bugle tube. Um, kind of the, not the opposite direction, but not straight towards where I thought he was bedded. And, um, I set my bugle tube down and I heard what sounded like a pencil break. 
and I look over and I just see ivory tips coming through that brush. And I was like, oh my, you know, and he was already in bow range. I had no idea. He came in completely silent. So I reached down and grabbed grabbed my bow and I stood up and he was at 10 yards just drooling, Jim, just slobbering. And uh, he had, like, when they say they know where that sound's coming from, like, he had it pegged. Oh, yeah. Yeah. No, that's... It's it's amazing, dude. They they have radar. Yeah, he was staring a hole through me, mm-hmm. like straight it's, up, just burning a hole through me. It's super interesting, man. Uh, because that that's like the story of my life for this September. I don't know how many bulls I called in that came in totally quiet, like you just said. Like like you don't hear anything. Maybe a stick pops, but all of a sudden they're right there. So. I want to say it was four times I had a bull within bow range that I didn't know was there until it was too late. And, and that was what my biggest takeaway from this September in comparison to other Septembers uh, in the past is, is the elk were not as vocal uh, they, in North Idaho. They, they were not like screaming their heads off like usual. And, and they would just come in super quiet. In fact, I had one, I'd walk up on this mountain um, uh, I almost always say the name of the mountain on the show and I, I really try hard not to do that, but I I'm up there and I kind of walked down. I started kind of walking down the North face. The wind was good. And I'm like, okay, I'm going to throw out some, some, uh, cow, cow sounds. Cause I would figured out at this point, they're not responding to bugles when they're close. They will when they're far, but if you close the distance, they shut up. So I, I would just, I just started cow calling just like you were saying, you know, a cow, uh, talking to her calf, and uh, all of a sudden, my my the side of me vibrates, uh, and I, I I pulled my phone out, and I was like, "Oh, this is crazy! I have I have self service up here. I hadn't had self service in I don't know how long." Uh, so I opened it up. It's my wife. She's texting me. I, I sent her a text back. Put the phone back. And as soon as I put it back, I hear this cracking of sticks, like you're saying, to the right of me. And and I'm like, "There's this a bunch of deadfall in the way, right?" And I'm like, crap, I can't see anything, but he's, he's definitely coming in. So I take an arrow out and I, ne- I needed to move around some of these trees and I step between these two trees and I look up and there's this monster of a bull, man. It, I mean, the kind that dreams are made of. He had a drop tine, uh, oh, beautiful no. brown colors. And as soon as I stepped between the tree and I could see him, obviously he could see me. And he looked at me like, what the hell are you? turned around and ran off and I could hear him going down the mountain like a freight train for about 45 seconds. So oh, the, the point oh. is uh, I, it, it took some whiskey to get sleep that night. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. And um, that happened again, that happened four times before I finally got that one bull fired up. But uh, they, they just, that was like the commonplace. So this is super interesting you you look over you hear you hear the slightest little twig snap you said like sounding like a pencil you snapped a pencil in half or something that's, that's all i heard man and then that's and then you I see heard. and to see this happen to my cousin too andrew he's up there cow calling and all of a sudden he sees tines he didn't even hear anything he sees tines coming out of the of the brush and um and all of a sudden this this bull presents himself and uh, I, I don't know what happened. He, he choked his shot or something missed or whatever. And uh, th- th- there it went. And so it, this, is, it, this has been real commonplace this year. So super interesting. But the difference being here, you actually installed an arrow in this bull. 
Yes, sir. Um, and it was like this uh, crazy standoff. It felt like eternity. I think it always does, but really yeah. it was probably maybe two minutes, three minutes maybe. Um, yeah. And he was perpendicular to my decoy. So he had it pancaked. You know, he couldn't see that the cow head. He was looking at me. And I was trying to keep the brim of my hat over my eyes and just barely look at him. You know, I didn't want him to see my eyes. And uh, I remember just telling him to walk away. I was like, you don't like it. Just walk away. Walk away. Because in my experience, they they go to leave and then they kind of like will like turn broadside and kind of look back like one yeah. last time. Yep. Like, are you yep. sure? You Like you sure you're not there or like, Hey, I'm going to leave. <laughs> you, do, you know, like, let me do sure? one more check. Yep. Exactly. So I, I figured as soon as I seen big yellow rump, I was going to draw and wait for him to do that, you know, famous one last broadside look and, and smoke him, you know? And we just stood there and stared at each other and he was just drooling and drooling and drooling. So finally he acts like he's going to turn to leave. And usually they go back the way they came with me anyway it's like my experience you know they he i was expecting him to walk back the way that he came um so i draw the bow and he didn't read the script he ends up turning left and walking on the other side well there's like some brush and like uh the decoy was right there so finally he he's walking left turned back and looked at me and saw the decoy and it surprised him and he was like man like where did you come from so he kind of looked like he started to get nervous and I'm on the wrong side of all of this at full draw. So I kind of read, you know, his body line, like uh, he kind of looks like he's getting nervous. He, he might bolt. So I just went for it. I swung, swung over and I just put that pin on him and I probably punched the shit out of my trigger. Now that I, you know, think about it, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know, like I totally didn't execute probably a good shot, but um, that arrow went in right. It, it was a, he, he was spinning. He seen me swing over. He didn't like it. So he spins right as I shoot and I caught him quartering away that the arrow went in, um, right in front of his left, um, rear leg and exited behind his right rear shoulder. Sweet. Um, yeah. And he ran off and, uh, I got him to stop with some cow calls and he stops and looks around and I'm like, Oh, that doesn't look good. You know? So I knock another arrow up. And I get some trees between him and I, and I'm giving out a few little cow calls. And uh, I kind of got a range on where he was at. I was going to go shoot him again. And uh, he just fell over on his face right there. Maybe six, oh, 60 man. yards. Yeah, How it was cool crazy. Was that, dude? Wow. Yeah, it was great, man. Awesome. So I, I, couldn't, I couldn't even believe it. So I call the wife, you know, and I'm just, I, she says, uh, or <laughs> I sounded like, a, like an auctioneer, I think. Um, just rambling, you know, just rambling words off. And she was like thinking the only reason you'd be calling me on the phone is that you got an arrow in a bowl. Um, so I told her, I was like, I don't know if he's dead. Like I might have to go put another arrow in him. Like I'll call you back. So I hang up and I run over there and he looks stone dead, you know? Uh And, uh, I listened to your podcast on my way up to Idaho and I heard about that guy that got gored. What was that in Oregon? Yeah. Yeah, man. So, um, I I am like, I need to make sure this thing's dead. He looks stone cold dead, but you know, mouth open, all that. Well, I cow call and I get about 20 yards from him and he comes back to life, man. And he starts trying to get up 
And I, you know, I take a step off to the side to clear some brush. I draw my bow and he's like really struggling to get up. And as soon as he stood up completely, he just rolled back over on the other side and fell over and was like, like expired at that point. And this all happened in like a minute. Yeah. You know, it it all happened so fast. So um, I did a big loop around him and uh, ended up jumping on the tree that he was dead on just to make sure that he was dead. Um. Yeah, man, it 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 all happened in maybe a half hour of me Sweet. leaving the truck. Sweet, that's that's and cool, he was, man. Yeah, nine hundred eighty-seven cool. yards from the truck. Man, <laughs> there's a lot of people that are like, um, that is a pack out that they're envious of for sure. I would have been, and uh, so so, and he was like a five by six or something. Um, he's got a little cheater six by on there, I guess. Is he? Uh, yeah, he's. I mean, it's an inch. He looked. Pretty, um, it, yeah, he he looked pretty stout, man, in the picture. I I was pretty impressed. He's got some. Uh, he I I rough scored him. Um, assuming I did it right, he he's uh, two sixty one. Cool. I'd, I'd take yeah. him all day, man. I would take him Absolutely. all. Like you said, I'm not a trophy hunter. No, uh, I I mean that's a bonus for me. So I'm just so so thankful to have the opportunity, man. And what a what an awesome bull. Heck yeah, man. I'm proud of you. That, yeah. That's just awesome. I, I like I like the fact that you were up there and you were able to recognize that uh, you know, he, he wasn't into he wasn't into bugles, so you switched to cow calls and, and you were able to, you know, get him to come in with cow calls and because the tendency for I for, for me at least, I don't I'm not speaking for you, but for me is my my tendency and what has always worked is I I wanna I wanna rip my bugle and just and just piss him off. And I, I, it just wasn't working this year until this bull, I, 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 I call him Mr. Chuckles because all he did was chuckle. And I, I <laughs> he was on this uh, strange little, like, I want to call it a mountain, but it's more of a hill up in this unit I was hunting. And I, I'm right on the border of units too, which, which would have taken me out of the panhandle. Gosh, guys, I'm so sorry. This is where the interview uh, gets cut off with Logan, and I'm not totally sure what happened to the audio, but uh, I, I had it recorded in full, and when I went to load it into my system here, it had cut us in half, essentially, because, um, yeah, I, I just I don't know what happened. I think I'm just super rusty because I've been out hunting for a month, and <laughs> um what we're going to do is I'm going to I'm going to try to convince Logan to come back on the show because the second half of this podcast is actually the really important part and I wanted him to talk to some of you guys out there that travel to different states to hunt because Logan does that every year and he's got a lot of experience doing it and uh, what what we do is we talk about how he does that with the logistics of it how he packs his truck how he gets the meat back, uh, all, all these things, just the logistics, picking units and and finding finding uh, these game species in these particular units and picking states and all this different stuff that I think a lot of you guys would get a lot out of. Um, I sure did, and I am just bummed that uh, we got we got cut off and and it's it's just it's my fault. I don't I don't know what I did with the the second half of this audio and how I how I got rid of it. Uh, it's uh, actually never really happened to me like that before. So anyways, I apologize about that. Uh, we do have some really good episodes coming up for you over the next, uh, throughout, throughout the month of October. I don't know if you guys are fans of the movie mountain or not movie, the, the television series mountain men, but you're going to want to stay tuned. 
and then I've also got somebody coming on the show who is absolutely a very inspiring individual that um, he's so knowledgeable. I, I'm so glad to be able to like just pick his brain. And he's got over you know 40 years in in animal wildlife research. And and anyways, your mind is going to be blown by this guy. He's amazing. And so that's all coming up throughout the, this month. Um, again, lastly, I, guys, I'm really sorry. Logan and I got cut off there. Um, I knew I knew my internet was a little bit shaky, and I think really that's what happened is is the uh, second half just didn't pick up enough or something, so it just kind of like cut it out. Um, I, I just really don't know, and I'm gosh, I, I apologize to Logan, I apologize to you guys, but uh, we're gonna get it back on so we can finish the discussion again and uh, get, get, get that information out to you guys. So with that, guys, we'll talk to you next week. Thanks a bunch for tuning in. Hope you enjoyed what we did have, and we'll, we'll see you soon. You made it all the way to the end. Thank you so much for tuning into the show. We sure appreciate your support. This is Jim Huntsman signing off and reminding you to check us out at Instagram at The Western Huntsman and on Facebook at The Western Huntsman. And you can also check out the website at thewesternhuntsman.com. Thanks again. We'll see you guys next time. Stay Western, and I'll see you on the mountain.